Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia. I hope you guys are having a good morning. I am trying to, you know, so I sent everybody the Johns Hopkins website and uh, suddenly I'm having trouble pulling it up. <laughs> nope. Here we go. Here we go. The Johns Hopkins website. Give you your morning coronavirus update. 83,774 confirmed infections. Of those 83,774 confirmed infections, 36,654 have recovered, 2,867 have died. Of the 2,867 who have died, 2,682 of those have come from uh, Hubei uh, province in China, where Wuhan is. Uh, overwhelmingly, the deaths have come from China. Um, outside of, of the 2,867 deaths, 34 have been in, in Iran, 17 have been in Italy, 13 have been in Korea, 4 have been in Japan, 2 have been in France, and uh, I'm scrolling through, and one in the Philippines and one in Th Thailand or Taiwan. Now, of the recovered people, uh, of the 83,774 infected, 36,654 have recovered, uh, one in Arizona, one in Seattle, one in Santa Clara, California, one in C San Diego, uh, California, um, and two in Chicago. The two in Chicago were the husband and wife. They have recovered. You know, it would be great if the media, instead of attacking the president of the United States nonstop on this, would actually allow some of the or would actually put on some of the people who have recovered. Uh, and give some exposure to the fact that you can recover from this. Uh, they're, they're in so um, they're in so panic mode right now that they they just can't bring themselves to to do anything other than attack the president. And as a result of that, uh, they are shaping their media coverage in in ways that is problematic. So I wrote a piece this morning. I, I occasionally, you know, I write to think, and it, it helps me with my thinking process to write. It's one reason I, I run a website. And I gotta tell you, I am wondering uh, if if this is the moment where something bad really is going to happen in this country. Will anyone believe the media? The media, you know, is is just fundamentally committed to the fact that um, they themselves are uh, it, above reproof, beyond reproach, that they themselves are the people who will save us, not the president, and that they themselves will tell us what matters and what does not matter. And they've been telling us these things for a while. Consider the stories from the media over the past couple of years the coronavirus is now going to kill us and we're all going to die but before that net neutrality was going to kill us we were all going to die because of net neutrality net neutrality is when the the federal communications commission the fcc decided they were not going to impose government regulations on internet service providers uh, the president's tax cuts were going to kill us all the president's tax cuts were going to wipe us out. The president's tax cuts were going to uh, destroy us. The president's tax cuts, everyone was going to die. Then there was a health care reform. Health care reform was going to kill us all. 
healthcare reform, we're all going to die. Uh, those Republicans, they're going to shove grandma off a cliff. Remember that? Uh, the, the Republicans, absolutely. Going to kill grandma by shoving her off a cliff. They, they actually ran ads with a Paul Ryan impersonator shoving grandma off a cliff. When the president moved the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, it was going to spark a war in the Middle East. And we were all going to die because of it. American soldiers' lives were going to be at stake. Terrorism would be on the uptake. Uh, we, we might be struck at home uh, by people upset that, that the American embassy was moving to Jerusalem. Then there was the Iran agreement. By getting rid of the Iran agreement, Iran was going to get nuclear weapons. They were, they were going to start a nuclear war in the Middle East. Then there was the Paris Accord. Uh, if we got out of the Paris Accord, uh, things would go badly. The, the world would come to an end. And even now they're saying, we, at first they said we had 12 years, and they said 10 years. The other night on the debate stage, they said nine years. One Democratic politician, I think Beto O'Rourke, said seven years left before we all die. Why? By the way, why are they concerned about the coronavirus if they think we're all going to die in seven years anyway? And then there was killing uh, Kasim Soleimani. In January, remember that? And that was going to start World War III. I mean, the, the, the pundits on television proclaimed that President Trump was starting World War III by going after Soleimani. And in each of these situations, they have proven themselves not just to be somewhat wrong, but utterly wrong. I don't know that I have found the right clip of this. I think I have found the right clip of this. I'm doing it on the fly. Let me see if, if this is the right clip from Steve Schmidt, uh, who was on MSNBC. I think that he is volatile and erratic. I think that's true. But I don't think his actions in this case are volatile and erratic. I think they're entirely predictable. And what's predictable, looking at the Ukraine issue, looking at every issue, is he over and over again acts in his own political interest. Looking at impeachment, what he did for sure is survey the situation and understood that with this action, with this strike, that he would create a giant smokescreen that clouds and distracts around the issue of impeachment. This is a political act that has endangered the country. Once again, this is Donald Trump acting in the international arena, detrimental to American security interests now exceeding the outrageousness in Ukraine by an order of magnitude for self. And the result of this is a more dangerous world where Americans will be killed that otherwise would not have been killed. That was Steve Schmidt. He was he's now in that uh, Project Lincoln group or what have you that's trying to, to oust the president going so far as to back Bernie Sanders, supposed Republicans who would be willing to back Bernie Sanders to oust the president of the United States. That was him after the president uh, launched uh, the strike to kill Kasim Soleimani. As the Iranians are responding, this is a completely destabilizing situation. This is bad. The president is good. We're all going to die. So now along comes the president of the United States who forms a task force and puts the vice president in charge of it. And what's the media response to it? We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Is it any wonder the president doesn't listen to the experts? 
Is it any wonder the president of the United States uh, is willing to second guess the people who are supposedly professional? Is it any wonder that the president of the United States isn't willing to believe these people? And now let, let's 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 be sure here. There are reasons to be concerned about the coronavirus. There are absolutely reasons to be concerned about the coronavirus. There are absolutely reasons to be concerned about government bureaucracy, any government bureaucracy uh, doing it. But it is notable that the loudest voice. Voices in the media attacking the president right now are partisans, not professionals, uh, and the, the media is putting up partisans as professionals to give them the veneer of objectivity to attack the president of the United States right now. For example, they're trotting out uh, a World Health Organization official, Ezekiel Emanuel. Does that name ring familiar? Ezekiel Emanuel, death panel Emanuel, Ezekiel Emanuel is the man who helped Obama structure Obamacare. He is Rahm Emanuel's brother. He is a partisan Democrat. Uh, he is the guy who helped Obamacare. He's the guy who, who really thought we needed to do cost-benefit analysis on senior citizens getting health care. And he's trotted out because he's now at the World Health Organization by the media to claim this president is, is, is going to screw it all up. Uh, you've got other Democrats out there who worked for Barack Obama on his pandemic task force that was created to deal with the Ob Ebola outbreak that is not currently being outbroken. And the president wound it down. There was no need to keep it. There was no Ebola. There was no pandemic. He shut it down two years ago. And oh, my goodness, we're all going to die because this president decided to reverse an Obama era bureaucratic decision. The media genuinely is floundering all over themselves on this issue and trying to scare people for partisan concerns, not for medical concerns, not for healthcare concerns. You are going to die with the tax cuts. You are going to die with net neutrality. We're going to die with health care reform. You're going to die because of Brett Kavanaugh. You're going to die because of Neil Gorsuch. I, I, I don't even know how I have ratings. Honest to goodness, I, I, I don't know how I have any ratings anywhere because everybody who's listening is dead. In, in fact, maybe this is heaven or, or <laughs> maybe it's not. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, seriously, certainly hell on earth these days. It, it, it seems like there are reasons to be concerned about the coronavirus, uh, but the media is doing their best to make them partisan concerns. Uh, let's see. Um, let me make sure I've got the guy's name right. Uh, there is a doctor, uh, Mark Siegel. He's on Fox News. He's talking about the coronavirus. Listen. They have 13 positive patients that have the coronavirus. They've been studying them. They know now some things we didn't know before. One, it's a lot more contagious than the flu. Two, it looks like it can be treated because these 13 patients are doing well. Two of them are out of now the biocontainment unit. One of them had a severe pneumonia. He was treated probably with an antiviral drug. He got better. You know, they've brought together spouses that were separated. This is an incredible unit. They're also reaching out around the country and spreading information to everybody. And they figured out that the virus is a cough. Short, the symptoms are a cough shortness of breath, very different than the flu. So we, we clinicians can identify it. Cough and shortness of breath, breath different from the flu. Uh, people are recovering. Again, this is good news that should be covered by the media and is not. The patient who was in Tempe, Arizona, recovered. The patient in Seattle, Washington, the very first person reported in this country, recovered. Uh, the patient in Santa Clara, California, recovered. The patient in San Diego, California, recovered. The patient in Chicago who passed it to her husband, uh, she and her husband both recovered now.
There are isolated reports in the media that, oh, now pets are getting it and pets are spreading it to people. None of that is confirmed. There are isolated reports of someone getting the virus recurrent uh, and getting sick and going back to the hospital. Uh, that is not confirmed. The odds are actually talking to healthcare officials that uh, she was not fully recovered and was released from the hospital. And because she was not under medical care, it, it inflamed again. And yet the, the media wants to attack the president and play up these things and play up, oh my goodness, uh, Vice President Mike Pence is in charge and Mike Pence is anti-science. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez literally got on social media yesterday, literally got on social media yesterday and said that literally Mike Pence is anti-science. And she believes boys can become girls and girls can become boys. Here's Debbie Dingell, not a fan of the president, a Democratic congresswoman, not a fan of the president. So I want to be very clear that I think all of us need to not panic and remember they're very basic things. And I'm going to use this opportunity now. Wash your hands frequently. Go on and Google and learn how to wash them correctly. But I am worried about uh, the supply chain. I have been from the beginning. I've been one of the people that's been following this coronavirus more closely than anybody. This is a, it's a short-term issue, not a long-term issue. Ninety percent of our pharmaceutical drugs, at least the contents of it, are made in China. We can't let that situation, it's brought light to a situation. we got to get a change. We've got to yeah. make sure we've got sterile, you know, equipment. Yes. It doesn't come, that doesn't rely on China's supply chain. Correct. I have 30 more seconds quickly. Given uh, Vice President Pence's history as governor dealing with a recent public health crisis in terms of HIV in Indiana, is he the best equipped to lead this effort at the White House? You know what? I don't think this is a time to take shots. I think this is a time for all of us to work together. Coronavirus is a potential threat. We've already seen what it's done to other countries. We've got to work together. If they're not doing what they need to do, then we need to make sure they are doing what they need to do. But taking cheap shots at people right now is not the thing to do. Working together is. God bless her for saying that. And by the way, that was Poppy Harlow, the CNN anchor. How did Mike Pence exacerbate a situation in Indiana? 76 people. There was an outbreak of HIV from drug users using shared needles. The media launched a two-prong attack on Mike Pence. One is he shut down an abortion clinic. What did the abortion clinic have to do with anything? They were giving free HIV tests. We don't know that the HIV user, uh, the, the drug users would go to the Planned Parenthood facility for the testing anyway. Uh, the, the second reason they're attacking him is because Mike Pence wanted to put the, get the people into treatment as opposed to doing a needle exchange. He didn't think it was healthy or wise to let the drug addicts continue their drug addiction with clean needles. He wanted to get them into treatment, and he's being attacked for daring to have the audacity to think that maybe we should solve the root problem of addiction instead of just giving them clean needles so they don't pass HIV to each other. Now, it wound up being 70 people in Indiana. That's it. That's it. it. It wasn't a mass outbreak. You listen to the media. They think it's a mass outbreak. It is because these people hate the president and the vice president. They are not willing to treat honestly with the president or the vice president. By the way, uh, did you know that this week is, is um, it is transgender week in American public schools? I wish I was making that up. Uh, in many American schools around the country, they are celebrating transgenderism this week. I didn't know that until this morning. 
my kids are not in a public school, thank goodness. But seriously, um, the, the priorities of the American press and the media and progressives these days, uh, and they want to attack the vice president for having the audacity to think, hey, uh, maybe the way to stop the HIV outbreak that's being caused by drug use is to help the people get over their drug addiction. No, Mr. Vice President, no. You were supposed to give them needles and let them OD. That's the media position, and that's pathetic. You can call in 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. The... so what is it? Is it the second court circuit court of appeals? I can't remember. So I'm sorry. I, I, I suddenly all of a sudden brain fart on, on the circuit. Uh, the president ordered the Department of Homeland Security to stop allowing New Yorkers access to the trusted flyer program in New York City. Um, so he, here's if you don't know what the trusted flyer program is, uh, TSA PreCheck and the like. Um, it, it is a it's a wonderful pro- man. It, it is it as as close to pre 9-11 flying as you can get. And if you have clear even more so I've got clear and pre check. And what it is, is a procedure whereby you go in, you get fingerprinted, they do a background check on you, you get a special card, and you get that card has a special number on it, and you give that number to airlines, and your plane ticket gets labeled uh, specially. Your plane ticket essentially, uh, it gets a little logo on it, and it says TSA PreCheck, and you get to go through an expedited line. Now, the problem is so many Americans now have TSA PreCheck that sometimes it's faster to go through the regular line. In the regular line, you've got to empty your backpack. you got to take out your toiletries in the Ziploc bag. you got to take off your shoes. you got to take off your jacket, uh, take everything out of your pocket. It's very cumbersome. Uh, when you go through a TSA PreCheck line, you show your ID and your ticket, uh, and then you don't have to take off your shoes shoes or your jacket. You don't have to take stuff out of your bag uh, and you, you pass it all through the, the security belt and you go through. You don't have to go through the little uh, scanner thing that, that scans your whole body unless you set off the, the standard metal detector that you walk through. If you have clear, uh, you don't even have to pull out your ticket and ID. You, you They scan your fingerprint. It pops up your ticket and your name and, and off you go. It's, it's very quick. Well, the government of New York now is refusing to cooperate with the federal government on uh, illegal aliens. And the Department of Driver Services, uh, the Department of Corrections and all, they're they're refusing to hand over any uh, data to the federal government that could help them identify illegal aliens. So as a result, this is information the federal government needs to be able to get into those state databases to figure out who is eligible for the Trusted Flyer program. The Trusted Flyer program also has a program called Global Entry, where if you have your Global Entry card, you go to Customs, you scan your card, and you whisk your way through Customs. You don't have to stop and, and get asked the bajillion questions and all that stuff. And so the government has shut New Yorkers out of this program. If you've already applied and been approved, you can stay in the program, but no new people are allowed into the program in New York. So New York sued. It was an expedited hearing. And the judges, the federal judges have said, no, the federal government has the power to do this. And now they want to appeal to the Supreme Court. And it's the odds are New York is going to pay the price. And, you know, I like this. I, I do. I, I'm okay with sanctuary city. I'm not, well, I'm not okay with them. Don't, don't mistake me. I oppose sanctuary cities, but if a state wants to do it, I, I'm all about federalism. Let the state do it and then just cut off their government funding. Uh, you get, you want a sanctuary city. That's fine, but you get no money from the federal government. 
And if, if states pick their principal, do they want the money or do they want the principal? If they go with the principal, okay, no federal money for you. Shut them out of the out of the uh, trusted flyer program. And federal courts are saying, you know what? The president's allowed to do this to you. He can lock you out of the program, and there's nothing you can do. In New York, they are seriously upset about it. A lot of people are worried about the coronavirus and what to do. By the way, if if you want access to the Johns Hopkins University uh, visual dashboard of the coronavirus global spread, uh, text the word data to 33777, and I'll send you back uh, almost immediately the link. I got an automated. It's not me actually sitting here texting. And I, I was actually stunned yesterday when someone actually thought it was me texting people back uh, live on the radio. <laughs> uh, oh, God bless her. Um, yep, really, really thought I was uh, doing my monologue and texting people in real time. I, I'm, I'm not going to. I don't. She got a laugh out of it, of it as well when I explained it. It's an automated system. I've got it set up. Text the word "data" to three three seven seven seven. You'll be able to see this dashboard from Johns Hopkins, uh, and it shows you the total number of confirmed cases, the total deaths, the total recovered, uh, the the chart on on rates, and also the heat map of where the major spread is. And obviously, the major spread is in Asia, uh, China, South Korea, um, and. Uh, Tokyo, Japan, that area. There's some in Southeast Asia. Uh, then there's a hot spot in Italy and Iran. Interestingly enough, a buddy of mine pointed out this morning uh, that in a survey of Italy, uh, Italians, particularly northern Italians in that area, are the least likely uh, Italians to wash their hands. And that is one thing that health experts are telling us is regularly washing your hands would be a good thing. Now, east of the Mississippi in the United States, uh, we still have uh, one confirmed existing case in Madison, Wisconsin. There are two recovered cases in Chicago, and there is one existing case in Boston, West of the Mississippi is where the problems are. But again, I, I want to give you the, the 83,774 confirmed cases around the world, 60 in the United States, no deaths in the United States. There are 36,654 of those 83,774 who have recovered. And in the United States, uh, one in Tempe, Arizona, one in Seattle, Washington. The one in Seattle, Washington is notable because that's the first person in the United States who was diagnosed. One in Santa Clara, California, one in San Diego, California, and then the two in Chicago who were the husband and wife, where the wife was in Wuhan, got it, came home, infected her husband. They've both been in medical care, and they have both now recovered. The spread is very much like the flu. Uh, you come into contact with people. Uh, you come into contact with their bodily fluids through coughing, through sneezing, uh, or or the spread. It can this virus can live on the surface of things for more than twenty four hours. So wash your hands. Wash your hands. Uh, there are a lot of people who do expect it to spread into the United States, and the media is seizing upon Vice President Pence. Uh, and if the vice president has spoken on this. Here, let me let me uh, give you his thoughts. The risk of the spread of the coronavirus in the United States of America remains low. That's according to all of our experts, and it's a direct result 
of the unprecedented action that President Trump took last month when he closed our border uh, to Chinese individuals coming into the country and also established a quarantining effort. Our White House Coronavirus Task Force has literally been meeting every day for the last six weeks. And the American people can be confident that we're going to bring at the president's direction the full resources of the federal government to bear to protect the people of this country. That being said, during this time of year, it's always a good idea to engage in best practices. And people can go to cdc.gov to get the latest information on on not only this virus, but how they can best see to the health of their family and their community. The media actually is angry with him for saying that. They were blasting him, among other places, on CNN for saying that the risk is low in this country, that that it's, it's building false confidence in people. Oh, yeah, yeah, y'all, we, we've entered peak derangement syndrome among members of the press. For, forget the Democrats. Uh, members of the press are melting down over this. I... Uh, I could spend an entire week talking about how the media has just been broken by the president. Every angle they take on every story has to have a story about the president. You will note two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I'm not making this up, two weeks ago, the media reported that the coronavirus was on the decline, uh, COVID-19 was winding down, and uh, that everything was okay, and then suddenly, two weeks later, we're in full panic. Remember, two weeks ago, the market rebounded because the media told us everything was okay, everything was going to be fine. And then suddenly the media flipped out because of the president. It's all about the president. Now, let me give you facts and recommendations from talking to doctors. And on my evening show on WSB prior to that, uh, my friend Clark Howard uh, had some uh, epidemiologists and infectious disease experts on talking to them. Here are some things you can do. If you're terribly freaked out about the coronavirus, here are a few things that you can do. One, Make sure you are washing your hands regularly and not touching your face. Uh, I, I I touch my face all the time. You know, telling me not to touch my face, like me talking about it right now, my right under my nose is already itching and I want to scratch because I'm telling myself, don't touch my face. So naturally I want to touch my face. And there are people who say you can teach yourself not to touch your face, but all of you right now, like meth addicts are suddenly pick, picking your skin on your face because I'm telling you not to do it. I know you people, but don't do it. Wash your hands regularly. Wash your face uh, a couple of times a day. Good hygiene habits anyway. And then what about food stockpiling? Let's talk about food stockpiling. Uh, You can buy meats and frozen goods and keep them in your freezer for some amount of time and all will be well. And you may want to. Uh, I go down. There's a great butcher shop down in South Georgia, in Hawkinsville, Georgia. I've talked about this before. There's a place called M&T Meats. And you go down there and you can find any meat you want, any seafood you want, and they'll have it. And you can get it and you can get them to vacuum seal it. And you can bring it home and throw it in your freezer and, you, and it'll keep several months. And uh, you can, to some degree, a lot of frozen meats, they're just not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to taste good. Uh, they're going to taste freezer burned. Uh, but uh, you can for a while. They'll 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 survive. But 
uh, that you'll you'll get tired of it, the taste, the, the freezer burn taste. Uh, you want to eat frozen meats uh, three to four months, preferably. But still, you can go get some, stockpile in the freezer if you want. Uh, in China and in other places with the outbreak, the power hasn't gone off. People are still manning the power plants. Uh, so it's not something that you really have to worry about. Uh, you can go put frozen meats. You can go to your local store and buy the big bags of frozen chicken and frozen hamburgers and stuff. Put those in your freezer as you need. But more particularly, uh, get some canned foods. Get some pasta, get some dried beans, get some canned beans. The dried beans and the pasta, fairly cheap stuff. Uh, your eggs will last uh, for a while, but not not a, not a ton of time. Uh, your dairy's not going to last. Get yourself bottles of water if that makes you feel better. But one thing that you need to note is do not overbuy. And this is actually the uh, the issue here is the overbuying and the overpurchase of food is a lot of people will go hoarding and they will buy up supplies of stuff that ultimately go to waste. And not only are, is it stuff that will ultimately go to waste, it's they're depriving other people in the community of food. So it, be careful. I, I, I have not been into my local Publix, but I'm assuming they've got fully stocked stock shelves, the coronavirus panic. There's no reason, particularly, you know, if we're, if we're in Georgia right now, just, just to put a, a finer rub on it, those of you who are listening online, I'm sorry, but let me make this a very uh, precise Georgia point right now. Uh, if you're in Georgia right now, there are no cases of the coronavirus. Uh, there are rumors of the coronavirus, most spread by Internet trolls, but there is no coronavirus here. There's no reason to storm the grocery store. There's no reason to, to go buy up the shelves at, at your local Sam's Club or Costco uh, or BJ's because w w there is no concern here. Again, there are only three. There have been four cases east of the Mississippi River in the United States, and two of those are fully recovered. So I wouldn't freak out. It is worth, and I had this conversation with my wife last night, it is worth it in your next several grocery runs. And pay attention to this, and I, I, use, this to, I use the language intentionally, in your next several grocery runs. Don't do it like, oh my gosh, you saw a snowflake, I got to go to the grocery store. Because, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm in Macon, for those of you who don't know, I'm in Macon. And in Macon, uh, just the threat of a single snowflake will cause every uh, can of beer and, and gallon of milk to disappear from the local Kroger and Publix. So on your next several grocery runs, buy an extra box or two of pasta, buy a bag or two of dried beans. You soak them 24 hours or put them in your Instapot. They're good to go and buy some canned goods. If you're really desperate, get yourself some Velveeta. It'll last. Ugh. If you want to buy, what the, you know, those packs of Bubba burgers, they're the frozen hamburgers you can get at the grocery store. They're not the best. Typically, go get your own meat, like the, the even the, the prepackaged ground beef at the grocery store is way better than the prepackaged hamburgers. And the reason that they're better than the prepackaged hamburgers is that the prepackaged hamburgers are mass produced and they tend to kind of be tougher and have a little bit of a taste to them. Um, but you can get yourself some of the frozen meat too. get yourself. Some, if you're my household, we got to go buy frozen chicken nuggets because that's about the only thing my kid eats. But don't panic. Don't go hoard a bunch of stuff because, one, you're wasting your money, and, two, you're depriving other people of stuff as well. Um, go be deliberative about it. Uh, in the next several weeks, if you're like me, you go to the grocery store once or twice a week. Each time you go, buy a little extra. 
of the dried goods and the canned goods, mostly, and some of the frozen stuff that'll last for a while. Check the expiration date on some of the frozen stuff. Some of it has sell-by dates, and, and you don't want to get close. But there's no reason to overwhelmingly um, be deluged in the grocery store and buy clearing out the shelves, as some people tend to do, uh, and those people are going to waste their money. You don't need to be a hoarder. You don't need to be a prepper. None of that stuff. Buy yourself some hand sanitizer. And if you keep it in your car, if you've got to be out of your house, do it. One thing you don't need to buy, and this is the thing everybody is buying, but you don't need to buy it as a mask. You don't need a mask. Now, why don't you need a mask? Uh, there are a couple of reasons you don't need a mask. Number one, you don't need a mask because the mask is for the sick people. If you're sick, get the mask. If you're not sick, you've actually got a higher risk, according to a lot of experts, you've got a higher risk of contracting the flu or the coronavirus or something else by wearing the mask. Now, how exactly does that work? Well, because the mask gives you a false sense of security. The mask is to keep someone from expelling their germs from their mouth into the air. What happens with the people who are sick and don't wear the mask is they expel their germs into the air and you breathe and your breathing through the mask pulls the germs to the mask and keeps them on the mask. So when you grab it with your hand and you take it off your face at the end of the day, uh, confident that you have uh, saved yourself from the disease, what have you done? You've brought the germs into your house living on the mask, and now you've taken it off your face, and now the germs are on your hand, and where you touch your hand in your house is going to be covered with the germs. Unless you take the mask off and immediately wash your hands, if you're in that habit, that's fine. Uh, but there are intervening messages. You Now, there are people saying, and a buddy of mine is texting me, the mask can prevent you from touching your mouth and stuff. Yeah, the, the mask can. Just get in the habit of not touching your face. Because seriously, the, the greater risk of wearing the mask is you get the germs on the exterior of the mask. And when you take the mask off and are finally like, oh, thank goodness, I can finally rub my nose. You've rubbed the coronavirus straight up into your nasal passageway. Don't get the mask if you're healthy. Uh, that, that is a common consensus among experts. Don't wear the mask if you're healthy. Wear the mask if you're worried you may, might get or have symptoms. Not, oh my gosh, I'm worried I'm going to get the coronavirus. Let me wear the mask. No, you, you've come into contact with people who get it. Uh, start wearing the mask yourself. Again, the mask is to protect other people, not to protect you. Be polite and wear the mask. A buddy of mine's been traveling around the world in the last few weeks since this has broken out. He, he's finally come home, but he, he was in Asia as the coronavirus was, was breaking out and said it was amazing the number of people who went out, got in line and started wearing the masks. He said on, on a flight he had, um, he was, where was he? He was in Thailand, I think. He said every single person on the plane was wearing the mask. None of them were sick. Everybody was wearing the mask. And he thought it was kind of funny. Said there was only one guy on the plane who wasn't wearing the mask. It was very clear, clearly a European tourist. All the Asians were wearing masks. And he thought, I'm going to wear the mask so I make people comfortable. But the reality is we're not protecting anybody. We're not certainly not protecting ourselves. And he's right. Uh, there's no reason to be wearing the mask unless you're sick. Uh, and I realize the CDC is now telling people shave your beard and mustache and you can wear the mask. But the reality is what it is for is to keep you from spreading the germs to other people. In the meantime, each time you go to the grocery store, buy a couple extra cans of canned food. Buy a couple extra boxes of pasta. 
buy an extra couple of cans of pasta sauce, get you some of the frozen meat, and you'll be okay. There's no reason to overdo it. There's no reason to panic. Could it spread in the United States? Yes, it could. Now, here, interestingly, is some data that isn't getting talked about a lot. Uh, Do you know who is least likely to get it? Kids. There have been a number of studies that have been done, and most of the kids who test positive for it have no symptoms, and none of them have died. They've all made full recoveries. It is the older you are, the worse it is. And you know that's led to some conspiracy theories that maybe this really was lab manufactured, and the Chinese are trying to use it to wipe out older populations of the Uyghurs or the Christians uh, and, and snatch their kids into government control away from people who might indoctrinate them into a religious order. I kid you not, this is now circulating on the internet. It was kind of funny. I, I sent an email to some friends last night said i'm hearing this and i imagine that there are going to be conspiracy theories from people that oh this really was lab manufactured and it was designed to wipe out the elderly christians and Uyghur muslim populations in china and sure enough a buddy of mine replied back he says yeah that that's already happening look here and and there's a host of conspiracy theories online about it what i can tell you is i think it's very notable that as this has gone on uh, a lot of people who were telling tom cotton he was crazy for suggesting this could have come out of that bioweapons lab in wuhan are now suddenly not say not saying he's crazy a lot of people who were dismissive of the idea now are saying yeah this actually could have been a lab accident the the more we learn about this disease, the more it does look lab grown. No one knows for certain. It is all speculation. The Chinese certainly are not saying, uh, but it's definitely in the cards of possibility, even if not probability. Okay, yeah. So, yes, please do uh, do text the word recipe to three three seven seven seven. I'll I'll try to get a recipe out today. I, I don't have one planned, but I will try to get a recipe out uh, for you if you text recipe to three three seven seven seven. If you've already texted, don't worry about it. You'll get it. Um, but if you haven't ever signed up for the recipe list, that's how you do it. Uh, and I've gotten the emails from people. Hey, I don't have a cell phone that can text. I'm like, what? Welcome to the 21st century, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way. That's rude. But or, or someone who's out of the country, and, and uh, you'll have to email me uh, if if you can't text that. But okay, 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 okay. Uh, this story. One of my pet peeves in life is is the politically correct culture that is taking over schools. Um, do you know my kid is in a Christian school and told me yesterday that they're not allowed to refer to someone as gay. And she explained that, well, of course not when you got a kid in school and and you're using gay as pejorative. But she said, what kids actually talked about uh, a a gay man and got in trouble for saying gay. I was like, what are you supposed to say? Homosexual to to describe the person? She had no idea. But but the 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 zero tolerance policy in schools of um of 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 um uh, the 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 good kids have to be punished like the bad kids. The good kid brings in an Advil or a bare aspirin, and suddenly they're gonna be uh, treated like a drug dealer, like one of the actual drug dealers. It drives me crazy. And one of the things that also drives me crazy in this PC culture is the the we can't have any hurt feelings. And so in Lake Town, Utah, a school is being sued by a mother because 
this is so stupid and it drives me insane. The school's being sued by a mother because the school has a policy that if you have a school dance, you can't say no to someone who wants to be danced with. And one of the girls is getting bullied by a boy and the school is telling the girl that if the boy wants to dance with her at the school dance, she's got to dance with him because that's the school policy. And the mother's like, oh, no, hell you don't. And, and the schools try to double down on this. These, these school administrators are so stupid. I am a professional, so I know I'm not supposed to admit to you that, dear Lord, I can't wake up today. I, I guess I'm woken up enough for you people to keep you energized. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, uh, The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Blue skies outside, at least here in Macon. We got blue skies today, which is great. Cold and, and blue sky and good gracious almighty the the rain is coming back at some point and it's gonna i i don't like this cycle of it gets hot and then it rains like for example for example right now where i am it is 45 degrees it's 39 degrees up in adairsville uh what is it in rome it's 43 degrees in rome right now and and it's blue sky here and by Wednesday, it's going to be in the 70s and raining again. And then guess what happens? It's going to go back down into the, the 40s. My only saving grace is at the end of next month, I am going to um, I'm going to Hilton Head for spring break with my kids at the end of next month. And they, they sent us the keys today, and it's a glorious thing. Um, and you know, I'm getting reports. What is this? And in, in there, there's sleety drizzle. Yeah. Good gracious. It's snowing in Blue Ridge right now. And there's, there's freezing precipitation up in Jasper. I just pulled up the radar cause I see that alert. Yeah. Rome, you're going to get some rain Jasper and, and Blue Ridge. And, uh, even Dalton's had a little bit this morning up in North Georgia. My goodness, the weather cannot make up its mind. And I'm not here to talk about the weather, but nonetheless, um, it, it was nice to actually have a little bit of winter. They're saying that Georgia is going to have a terrible allergy season this year because we had such a mild winter and I can believe it. And also the peaches are going to be terrible. Now, I can we have a moment of confession? Don't hate me, people. Don't hate me when I confess this, but I'll confess my sins to you. I hate, 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 hate peaches. I despise the smell of peaches. I hate driving through South Georgia and smelling the peaches when they're in season and ready for harvest. And my wife loves peaches. And do you know how much I love my wife? I love my wife so much. I have a professional ice cream maker. I love to cook. That's why I send out a recipe all the time. I love to cook. And every couple of years, my wife and kids give me one giant gift for Father's Day because Father's Day and my birthday are close together. And a couple of years ago, they got me a professional ice cream maker. I can turn out two quarts of ice cream in 15 minutes in the sucker, and it's fantastic. I have become a specialist in salted caramel ice cream. I make homemade caramel and turn it into ice cream. And in fact, my specialty, the thing that I love the most is I use double stuffed Oreos and make cookies and cream ice cream. And it is fantastic. But because I love my wife as much as I love my wife, I will make her buttermilk homemade peach ice cream. That's right. It is 
buttermilk homemade peach ice cream. And I'll make it for my wife because I love her. And then I make her clean out the ice cream machine because I just, I hate peaches. So I hate fruit. Let's just be honest. I, I hate fruit. Uh, I, I, I've never liked fruit. I, I was actually in law school before I would take communion in church because I didn't want to have to drink uh, anything from grapes. I hate grapes so much. When I was a kid, I was sick and my mom gave me a variety of fruity flavored cough medicines and I threw them all up and I've never eaten fruit since. I'll eat an apple and that's it because there was no apple flavor medicine. But man, the strawberry, oh, oh, strawberries make me want to gag. Uh, Y'all didn't come here for this. I'm sorry. Tirade. I'm sorry. Randomness. Just the peach crop is supposed to suck this year because we haven't had enough cold temperatures. We'll get on to all the other news of the day as people are pinging me and saying, you're losing your audience. You're losing your audience. Let's talk about South Carolina. Joe Biden is expected to win. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm looking. I made the mistake of looking at my computer screen, and uh, th- there is a a young rapper who has a new album out, and his name is Herbo or Little Herb. Where the hell do these people come up with rapper names? I I, I have no idea. Okay. In any event, uh, um, now South Carolina, Joe Biden is in the lead. And the question is going to be how much in the lead is Joe Biden? Uh, how well does Joe Biden actually do in, uh, in the South Carolina race? And the question there, and the reason it must be asked, is because if Joe Biden pulls off a big win in South Carolina, Joe Biden has the potential to reset this race. History, history, let's go to some history. In 1992, William Jefferson Blythe Clinton, governor of the state of Arkansas, I I, got to, whoa, 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 let me give you a bigger, more expansive history lesson here. In 1992, George H.W. Bush was president of the United States and had won the Gulf War. I kid you not that the Gallup poll had George H.W. Bush's popularity at 89%. Some polls had his had his popularity at 91%. Can you imagine that? In our current political age, uh, can you imagine the president of the United States having a 91% approval rating? A 91% approval rating. George H.W. Bush had also broken his promise. In 1988, being the heir of Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush got on stage at the Republican convention and said, read my lips, no new taxes, and then broke his promise with the Democrats. He decided he needed a deal to deal with the federal debt and deficit, among other things, and decided he would raise taxes. And Republicans campaigned against him. And in 1990... George H.W. Bush, with popularity rising, refused to campaign for any Republican who had opposed his tax increase and also demanded that if the National Republican Congressional Committee wanted any help from him at all, they would have to fire uh, their young executive director at the time, a guy named Ed Rollins, who you might have heard of. And George W. Bush campaigned, and a lot of people got very angry with him. But then the Gulf War, the beginning of 91, we fought the Gulf War. It was over in a matter of weeks, and George W. Bush's popularity skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. 
I mean, 89% in Gallup, 91%, I think it was an NBC News poll, 91% popularity. The Democrats decided there was only one man in America who could beat George H.W. Bush. And that was a guy named Mario Cuomo. Mario Cuomo was the Democratic governor of New York. His son, um, Andrew Cuomo, is now the governor of New York. His other son, Chris Cuomo, is the CNN, partisan CNN anchor. And in, uh, in, in 1992, Mario Cuomo, savior of the Democratic Party, decided he wasn't going to run. And it was a real question as to who would actually run. Uh, a lot of people insisted that Cuomo run, and his heart really wasn't in running. He just, he, he didn't like it. Uh, he, he didn't want it. He did. He was secure where he was. And so many people urged him to run. So many people insisted that he run. I mean, he was going to be the savior of the Democratic primary. And yet he refused to do it. And so other people decided to run. You had people, uh, Douglas Wilder, the governor, uh, the first African-American governor of Virginia. Uh, he actually withdrew before before Iowa. Tom Harkin, the senator from Iowa, ran. Bob Carey, the senator from Nebraska, ran. Paul Songus from Massachusetts ran. And Jerry Brown, the governor of California, ran. And Tom Harkin, who was the senator from Iowa, he wound up winning Iowa, obviously. And then Paul Songus, the senator from Massachusetts, he wound up winning uh, the New Hampshire primary. And then they, they rebounded and they got to Nevada and Jerry Brown won the Nevada primary. So in your first three races there, you had uh, Paul, you had Tom Harkin won Iowa. Jerry Brown won Nevada, and Paul Songus won Massachusetts. And people wrote off Bill Clinton, decided that uh, Bill Clinton couldn't win. And so Clinton did exactly what Joe Biden is now doing. Clinton packed up on the campaign trail before the race had even been declared in New Hampshire, and he went down to South Carolina, and he campaigned nonstop. No one had gotten the Democratic nomination without winning Iowa or New Hampshire. And in the midst of all that, there was the Jennifer Flowers outbreak. Jennifer Flowers uh, claimed she had had a sexual relationship with Bill Clinton and had been intimidated to keep it uh, quiet. He had this famous sit-down interview with 60 Minutes with Steve Croft, uh, who, interestingly enough, I believe Steve Croft had problems later in his life. Um and uh, he and Hillary Clinton sat there, and, and the lights famously uh, fell. No, I guess it wasn't Steve Croft. I apologize. It, it, it wasn't Croft. It was someone, it was one of the other 60 Minutes people had issues. Um, but in any event, um, so Steve Croft did this very famous interview with, um, with, with Bill Clinton. And the lights collapsed. Bill had to jump up with Hillary Clinton. So the lights collapsed. It's a very famous video. You can go find it on YouTube. But he was able to contain the damage headed into South Carolina. 
and Clinton wound up winning South Carolina. And Clinton declared himself after Songus won, and Clinton got second place in New Hampshire. Clinton, people forget about this. They, they claim it after South Carolina, but it was after New Hampshire. Clinton lost New Hampshire. Paul Songus, who was the had, senator from Massachusetts, came in first in New Hampshire, and Clinton declared himself the comeback kid by uh, coming in second place. And then Clinton went down south, and he swept the southern states on Super Tuesday, in particular South Carolina. Clinton won South Carolina, uh, overwhelming support of the black vote. The other candidates had not had any any encounter with picking up black voters, and Clinton won. And Clinton went on to dominate the race. And in fact, you got to the Democratic primary. Uh, you got to the Democratic convention. Where was the Democratic convention that year? Oh, uh, where was it? Uh, New York City. That's right, New York City. And Clinton dominated. He got over 52% of the delegates. He wound up choosing Al Gore as his running mate. Gore from uh, Tennessee. Gore had tried to run. Uh, He got one delegate at the convention and became the running mate. And they went on and made history. We went into an economic recession. And the Clinton campaign, they took a very distinctive tack with James Carville. You'll probably remember this, even if you weren't alive at the time. It's the economy, stupid. And Clinton and the Democrats ran on it's the economy, stupid. And they had a willing media help them portray George H.W. Bush as out of touch with the common people. Yes, a war hero. Yes, a veteran. Yes, a wonderful human being. But he was bad on the economy, had been a creature of Washington for so long, he was out of touch with the American people, and it was time for him, a good man, to be gone. And the public swept George H.W. Bush out of office. A man who had a 89 to 91% approval rating a year before, beaten. It's very Churchillian almost. Uh, Churchill, you'll recall, immediately after World War II, the public threw him out of office. They they heralded the man as the savior of Britain, then were time to move on and threw him out of office. Very much the same thing with George H.W. Bush, heralded as a hero and thrown out of office because of the economy by Bill Clinton. And then he and Clinton very famously became very good friends thereafter. And George W. Bush and Bill Clinton are, are very good friends and still close to this day. And that's what Joe Biden's trying to do in South Carolina. Biden is trying to be the comeback kid in South Carolina. In fact, he's used the phrase comeback kid. The question for Joe Biden is, can he have a huge win in South Carolina as opposed to a small win in South Carolina? What does Bernie Sanders do? Can can he, can uh, Joe Biden hang on and have a big enough win and get so many delegates that it makes him competitive through the process? And if so... Ironically, then, all the focus turns on Mike Bloomberg, who today is saying he's going to hang on until the convention because he wants to stop Bernie Sanders, and he's convinced himself he's got to hang on there and disrupt all of it in order to stop Bernie Sanders. Meanwhile, the polling suggests if he got out, most of his voters would go back to Biden, and Biden could crush Bernie Sanders. All of these candidates in the race continues to help Bernie Sanders, but the big question is— Just how big a win is Biden going to get? Let's talk about the polls and what happens in the next couple of days. Because remember, tomorrow is South Carolina. It's Friday, the 28th of February. Tomorrow is South Carolina. And then three days later is Super Tuesday. So what does it mean for us here in Georgia? What does it mean for the nation? What does it mean for Bernie Sanders? Let's dive into this when we come back.
It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia. Remember, text the word recipe to 33777. I'll find you a recipe, something that I'm making this weekend. I may have to, well, no, I sent my pizza dough recipe recently. In any event, uh, so now what is going to happen in South Carolina? Uh, Joe Biden is going to win. That is a foregone conclusion. Let me just put it to you this way. It is such a foregone conclusion that Joe Biden is going to win in South Carolina tomorrow that if Joe Biden does not win tomorrow, he is dead. Uh, not physically dead, but he is dead. I mean, he is he is toast in South Carolina. He's got a 12-point lead in the polling average right now. Let me give you the polling. Now, there's the Emerson College poll. Emerson College has Joe Biden at 41 and Bernie Sanders at 25. Remember, 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 this is important. This is so important. In the Democratic primaries, you have to get at least 15% of the vote in order to get delegates. Now, there are the, the way the delegates are divided is by congressional district and statewide. So there are a certain number of delegates per congressional district, and you must get to 15% in a congressional district to get a delegate. And then there are other delegates who are awarded state, as I sneeze, Yep, total sneeze move. There are other uh, delegates who are statewide awarded, and you must get to 15% of the state overall to get them. So again, the delegates are awarded in two spaces, uh, at the congressional level and at the statewide level. Uh, at the congressional level, it is, uh, I forget how many are awarded per congressional district, but you got to get to 15% in a congressional district. If you get 15% in a congressional district, you will get at least one delegate. And then you got to get 15% statewide as well. If you get to 15% statewide, then you get statewide delegates. Uh, and y- you do that, you're good. And Biden is polling, according to Emerson, at 41%, Sanders at 25%. Now, the problem is that Emerson is a garbage poll. Emerson has always been a garbage poll, but Emerson, interestingly enough, has had a bias towards Bernie Sanders. And so there are some Biden people out there saying, well, if Emerson is a garbage poll and it's got Bernie Sanders there and Biden there, well, Biden must be doing even better than that. Biden can get 50 percent. If you get over 50 percent, by the way, you win pretty much all the delegates in South Carolina. The Post-Courier poll is is a non-online poll. The Post-Courier poll is a Charleston newspaper, and it did a phone poll of people on the the 23rd to the 27th. It did 543 likely Democratic voters by cell phone and landline phone with a live operator. Those tend to be quality polls. And that poll had Joe Biden at 28% and Bernie Sanders at 24%. If that's the case... It's probably not good news for Joe Biden because it's close. And in fact, a lot of the live operator polls in South Carolina have had it close. And part of the problem in South Carolina is early voting has been going on for a little while. So you had Bernie Sanders uh, win New Hampshire, win uh, Nevada, have a good debate performance. Mike Bloomberg collapse. A lot of people suddenly decide Bernie Sanders is going to go all the way. And so that could have helped Bernie Sanders with early voters in South Carolina. And if it helped Bernie Sanders with early voters in South Carolina and he draws close to Joe Biden, then suddenly Sanders is still the front runner. But if Joe Biden pulls it off, if Joe Biden does an excellent job, suddenly Joe Biden is back in the race 
Joe Biden is the comeback kid. Joe Biden is duplicating the path of Bill Clinton. And here's the thing he's got on his side, black voters. Now, the problem for Biden with black voters is that Tom Steyer has been really engaged in South Carolina with black voters. He's the only one. Uh, Buttigieg and Klobuchar have no path forward with black voters. In fact, Klobuchar is campaigning in North Carolina and, and Buttigieg claims he has a cold and he's canceled a number of fundraisers. And uh, there are a number of people who are saying that uh, maybe Buttigieg is thinking of dropping out. Buttigieg himself says he's got to reprioritize his race to stop Bernie Sanders. Honestly, I think if Buttigieg wants to help stop Sanders, he needs to get out. And he just might do that. I mean, for all of Buttigieg's faults, he seems to be the most grounded of the candidates running for office uh, with, with the, the largest sense of, you know, we, we're going to screw this thing up if we don't stop Sanders. It is Eric Erickson here. You know, I, I'm I'm browsing the web during commercial and, and it's like every ad knows I, I need to go hit golf balls this weekend. I got to join a golf course in any event. Uh, the phone number here, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Uh, YouTube is dropping a lot of sports programming. What does that have to do with anything? Well, I, I find this interesting. So uh, YouTube now has streaming services. There's actually a, a website now called the, the Streamable. And uh, so you've got the AT&T TV Now service. Uh, I've never heard of Fubo TV. You've got Hulu Live, uh, Sling TV, and YouTube TV. And YouTube TV uh, is canceling the Fox Regional Sports Networks and the Yes Network, uh, effective February 29th, right before the start of the baseball season. In a statement to the streamable, this website that documents this stuff, uh, it says, our goal with YouTube TV is to offer you the content you love, deliver the way you want. Despite our best efforts, we were unable to reach an agreement with Sinclair, the content provider that offers the Fox Regional Sports Network and Yes Network. Beginning February 29th, users will no longer be able to watch live, on-demand, or recorded content from these networks. We don't take the decision lightly and we will continue to do our best to make YouTube TV a best-in-class experience. You know, here's the thing. Um... It is. It's striking to me that they have bailed on uh, sports because the entire rationale these days for most live TV is sports. I can't. Honest to goodness. Uh, I, so I've got a Direct TV package, and the reason I have the Direct TV package really is for for uh, this program. If there is a live service, uh, if there's a live news event, and I want to feed it to you guys, uh, I need to be able to access CNN, Fox, the various outlets, and and so I got to get the DirecTV package to be able to do it. And in so doing, um, the only time I actually watch live TV is uh, if it's a sports program, particularly football. Uh, with with baseball, I actually have the Major League Baseball package and watch it on my Apple TV. I don't actually watch baseball on DirecTV. I watch it uh, with the Major League Baseball app on my Apple TV, on my iPhone, on my iPad, on my TV with the, the Apple TV um, box. Uh, but for football, it, it is very typically I will watch it on TV. Uh, and uh, my my kid now is really into soccer and wants to watch soccer. All the, I, I, Y'all, I, I'm... I'm not a huge soccer fan. Uh, the games are pretty awesome to go to, but watching it on TV, it's like watching grass grow. Let's just be honest. Uh, nonetheless, I would actually rather watch golf on TV. 
But um, I, I need to go hit golf balls. Nonetheless, uh, so they're canceling it, and I just think that's going to be uh, a collapse of the YouTube TV service. I know a lot of younger people who bought uh, YouTube TV to, to stop having to pay massive prices with the cable company, but they're huge sports addicts, and now they're dropping it, and uh, they're going to have all sorts of problems trying to get it. So in any event... Um, one footnote there. Now, I want to turn back to the Democratic presidential race. There's this this actual the funny moment, Mike Bloomberg on the campaign trail. And, and I'm sorry, I'll get to Mike Bloomberg in a minute. Joe Biden on the campaign trail. This line, listen to this. I'll conclude by saying no man has a right to lay a hand on a woman for any other reason than self-defense. And I'm going to make the controversial statements are always made. If someone in this room got up took off all her clothes and walked out the door, no man has a right to touch her. Zero. She can be arrested for indecent exposure. Uh, What Joe Biden is saying is that if a man touches uh, that a woman at his rally she's allowed to strip. She's allowed to get, as we would say in the South, she's allowed to get naked. She's allowed to get naked at a Joe Biden rally and no man's allowed to touch her. She gets arrested for indecent exposure, but no man's allowed to touch her. Now, this is kind of funny coming from Joe Biden, a man who has a history of groping women. Nonetheless, a little more of Biden on the campaign trail in South Carolina. And here's the last point. If you take a look at it, China, China's now going to, China, and this not, I'm not happy about this. China doesn't have enough water, W-A-T-E-R. They're talking about spending tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars to try to turn around the rivers so their population have potable water to drink. Forty percent of their land is blue with cadmium. They can't grow things. They're in a situation where they have two million Uyghurs, Muslims, in prison camps in the mountains. You saw what's you see what's happening in Hong Kong, and now what they're trying to do with regard to Thailand, folks. The idea, the idea that they are competition, they're going to beat us is bizarre. You know, he's he's saying this in light of Mike Bloomberg refusing again, double down again on the idea that the Chinese are not a dictatorship. And he's trying to compare himself to that and, and trying to to denounce that. And he's he's gotten a lot of pushback even from the Democrats on that issue, as, as he should, by the way. And Bloomberg is turning out to be a terrible, terrible candidate. Uh, if, if if Bernie Sanders were not such a threat, I think Democrats would actually be more willing to point out how terrible he is. Here's Rahm Emanuel, uh, Barack Obama's former chief of staff, the mayor of Chicago, talking about this race. A couple of elections you won that you had nowhere on the radar. He went, his pack went zero for 22. That tells you in 2018, when Democrats are having this massive national win, gubernatorial races, congressional races, state houses, that it didn't work. Number three, yeah. the turnout model that he's looking at has not materialized. One of the things that I'm concerned about right now is that while well, viewership in the debates are up, mm-hmm. 2018, big turnout. 2019, big turnout for Democrats. Participation in our primaries is not, is barely surpassing 2016, and that's a flashing yellow light. I am concerned. Now, it's only three. We'll see what Super Tuesday produces. Yeah, you know, that's not getting enough coverage. Bernie Sanders has fired up a bunch of young people 
but a lot of other people aren't turning up in the Democratic primary. And you know what the prevailing theory is? Listen, y'all, this is speculation, and I want to be real clear with this. This is speculation. But this is speculation coming from the Democrats. It's not speculation coming from the Republicans. This is all Democratic speculation, and and they've been talking about it. Rahm Emanuel in particular has been one of the people talking about it. Do you, do you know why the turnout hasn't actually been that good for the Democrats in Iowa, in New Hampshire, in Nevada? I mean, in, in, in Nevada got above 2016, but barely. Do you know what the Democrats and, and again and, and I'm 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 I need to be cautious here because you're going to repeat this to your friends and and you're going to hear something different on TV and I want you to understand this is what the Democrats are saying and it is speculation. They haven't done the deep dive on the research yet, but you better know what the Democrats are telling themselves right now behind the scenes because Rahm Emanuel is hinting at it right there. The older voters are voting for Trump. The older voters are voting for Trump. That's why you're not seeing this massive wave of people come into the Democratic primary because they've lost the older voters to Donald Trump. And it's not showing up in the polling, but it's showing up at the polls. You know, it's one thing, the, the polling is not wrong. The polling is not wrong. And I know a lot of you think the polling is wrong and you want to call here and say, what about 2016? Hillary Clinton won the popular vote within a percentage point of what the poll said she would. It's just uh, the problem there is that you're running on the Electoral College, not on the popular vote. And she ran a popular vote campaign. She didn't run an Electoral College campaign and she lost. But she won the popular vote. The polls weren't wrong. And the polls aren't wrong now either. But you got to look at the state-by-state state polls, not the national polls. And in the state-by-state state polls, that's what you're starting to see. The president's actually better off than the national polls show. And the actual polls, the voter polls, are starting to bear out what the polling is showing. The voters who show up at the polls are not showing up for the Democrats in the numbers that they should be if everyone hated the president as much as everyone on the Democratic side claims, as much as the media claims. You would have a much higher turnout in Democratic primaries. And you're not. And now the fear and trembling is setting in over Bernie Sanders. And what are they going to do to stop him? Well, again, let, let's play out the scenario here. If Joe Biden is actually able to do a good job in South Carolina and get not just a double-digit lead, but a significant double-digit lead, suddenly that puts Joe Biden back in pole position. It makes Joe Biden the comeback kid. It makes Joe Biden be the guy everyone can rally to. It makes Mike Bloomberg have to get out of the race. It makes uh, Klobuchar have to get out of the race. It makes Buttigieg have to get out of the race. Why? Because for the last few weeks, they've been saying, we got to stop Bernie. we got to stop Bernie. we got to do what we can to stop Bernie. Bernie's in the lead. we got to stop Bernie. If Joe Biden rebounds into the lead after South Carolina in the poll, if Joe Biden rebounds into the lead in the delegate count because he gets so many delegates out of South Carolina, then suddenly all these other clowns got to get out of the race because Joe Biden's the only guy who can stop Bernie Sanders. It is what I always said it would be, Joe Biden's race to lose, and it looks like he's lost it, but he may be able to get it back. And the rest of them got to get out of the way. And none of them want to. Elizabeth Warren is saying she's in it to win it. She'll go all the way to the convention. She's got a super PAC now that's well-funded. You've got uh, Mike Bloomberg saying he's in it to win it, and he'll go to the convention. He wants a contested convention. That's not going to work to stop Bernie. There's going to have to be pressure brought to bear. But the problem is Mike Bloomberg is so arrogant. Bloomberg could stay in and screw it all up for Bernie. 
Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi's on damage control, but there's something to be said for this. Listen very closely to this soundbite. Uh, when we win, we put everything on the table, have a discussion, and see where we go from here. Uh, but it's not about causing any division as we go forward. Unity, unity, unity. Whoever our nominee is, we will support with respect for his or her positions and hopefully with their respect for our positions as well. So we have made a decision to win. And as I say to the members, um, if you make a decision to win, you have to make every subsequent decision to win. No friction, no nothing. Just stay on the path to victory. We're in it to win it. And then we'll sit down and we'll have conversations. This is not a Nancy Pelosi who thinks Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee. If Bernie Sanders were definitely going to be the nominee, Nancy Pelosi would be signaling loudly, we got to do something. But Nancy Pelosi thinks they're going to be able to pick him off. And, and you know how they're going to pick him off? Superdelegates. This is Anton Gunn. He was a Barack Obama advisor. And even he's now starting to say out loud what you're not supposed to. The things you say out loud that you're not supposed to, this is one of them. Well, I, I, I will say that Bernie is moving the goalposts. This is what people need to remember. Uh, the Democratic Party has a party. The party decides its nominee. The public doesn't really decide the nominee. The public gets to vote for president of the United States. But people who are active in the party, who participate in the party, they decide the nominee. Superdelegates are very influential in the party. Also, delegates are very influential. And just because you're a pledged delegate for Bernie Sanders or a pledged delegate for Joe Biden doesn't mean when you get to the convention floor that you'll stay a delegate for Biden or Sanders. That's a process. And so it is a process to to pick the candidate who wants to be the standard bearer for the party to try to win in November. And so Bernie got to understand that process. And it's, it's a real selective and detailed process. In 2008, the Obama campaign from the very beginning focused on the delegate process because we knew it all was going to come down to the delegates, who's committed to you, who wants to be on your team at the end, and do you really feel like they can be elected? You know what happens with the delegates in the first round of the Democratic convention? They're bound. So the delegates who are assigned to Sanders are assigned to Sanders and they vote for Sanders. But if Sanders can't get to 50%, all bets are off. Sanders wants to get to 50% because they're locked in. And the odds are with that many candidates in the race, the way this is breaking out across the states, he's not going to get to 50%. Biden may be able to beat him and still not get 50%. And it's all bets are off. What's actually going to happen? Sanders voters are in the minority, but they're still about a third of the party, and they are desperate for the commie to get it. And they're not going to be able to. Unless Sanders can find some renewed momentum, the problem is Sanders is not going to win South Carolina. The odds are now he could. I mean, we don't know. I keep saying Joe Biden's going to win. All the polls show Joe Biden's going to win. All the internal polling from all the candidates show Joe Biden's going to win. You know how I know that Joe Biden's going to win? Bernie Sanders is not campaigning in South Carolina. He's gone on to California and to Texas. And that's a pretty big red flag that even the Sanders internal polling has Joe Biden winning South Carolina. If Joe Biden wins South Carolina, he may be able to pull something off in Texas. If he pulls something off in Texas, that blunts Bernie Sanders in California. Do you know why? Do you know what the socialists in California did, the idiots in California, they arranged their primary so that your vote in California only counts if your envelope is postmarked on election day. 
Now, what does that actually mean? In most states, your ballot has to be at the at the Board of Elections by Election Day. When the mail is delivered on Election Day, your ballot better be there or else not in California. In California, all that has to happen is your ballot has to be postmarked by Election Day. So we could come two weeks later, and by law, California has to count the vote. And so Sanders, if he doesn't dominate in California— It could be two weeks before we get a certification that he's actually won California. And meanwhile, you've got Biden winning elsewhere. That's going to be good for Biden. That's what the Democrats are hoping for. They're hoping California screws it up so that they can screw up the Bernie Sanders narrative, which is amazing, amazing. But it's all going to come down to South Carolina tomorrow. Here's here's what you need to know. Bottom line, I'd like to move on from this. I do want to spend a little bit on Mike Bloomberg, but on, on South Carolina in particular. If Joe Biden wins and he's above a 15-point win, uh, Joe Biden is the comeback kid, and he very well may go the distance. If Joe Biden's win is in single digits with Bernie Sanders, the odds are still Bernie Sanders is the nominee, and the Democrats are panicked about that. Well, I have bad news. It is 55 after the hour. The Dow is down 844 points. The NASDAQ is down 169 points. The New York Stock Exchange is down 456 points. Pretty much all of last year's gains have now been wiped out in addition to all of this year's gains. Um, Yikes. Um, Wow. Uh, so yeah, the, the market's not doing well right now, but, uh, again, a couple of things, uh, as, uh, Chris Burns has noted on this here program, he is my financial advisor. I sleep well at night because he's my financial advisor. Y'all honest to goodness. Um, if, if you, if you're a business, even pay attention to this, if you've got a business and your employees have 401ks, uh, y'all should really, if you're a business, reach out to dynamic money, um, and, and consider it a value add for your employees. Employees, the uh, the team at Dynamic Money will come in and talk to your employees about their 401ks and and how to how to assess risk and how to balance. You know, it, it's one of my frustrations. In all honesty, uh, it, it is it's one of my frustrations in that uh, companies give you your 401k and say, here, uh, go to this company. They're going to manage your 401k, and most employees have no freaking clue. They 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 don't know. Um, if you call the guys at Dynamic Money, they they they're not gonna they're not gonna take over your four hundred one k unless you want them to, but they can come in and educate your employees on how to assess the risk in a four hundred one k, how to value a four hundred one k, things like that. I, I really really recommend uh, if you if you own a business and you offer your employees 401ks, call them and tell them I sent you. Uh, in all honesty, I don't get anything for it. Uh, they, they manage mine. Uh, I've moved mine to Chris because uh, I trust him. Uh, he, he's a boring guy. He, he he makes sure that my investments are boring and stable. <laughs> in, in all honesty, though, uh, your employees may be panicked right now uh, because of what's happening in their retirement funds and bringing in dynamic money, uh, Chris and his team, to talk to your employees it can calm them down and give them some peace of mind and also you as an employer some peace of mind as people are looking at what's happening with the market right now thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to work another 10 years. No, no. 
no, no, no. Uh, if you've if you've given good risk balance, uh, you don't have anything to worry about. So consider that uh, dynamicmoney.com is the website. Uh, they're, they're not sponsoring today. They're, they are an advertiser, but they're not sponsoring today. In all honesty, though, uh, seriously, consider reaching out to Chris and his team and have them come in and just explain uh, the risk evaluation of 401ks, what the distribution should be, how you should adjust it over time. Uh, I, and, and they would be happy to do that and give your employees some peace of mind and you some peace of mind as well uh, in doing this. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, and yeah, full disclosure, he, they are an advertiser. They're not sponsoring today, uh, but they are my financial advisor and they I sleep well at night not handling this myself. Uh, they rearrange things for me and they're not commissions based either. They're, they're flat fee people. Uh, which is good because they're not going to try to sell you or your employees something that makes them money. They're just going to give sound advice. Uh, but at a time like this when people are panicking, that is something to consider doing is bring them in. When we come back, I, I want to shift gears some. I do want to talk about Mike Bloomberg. But there's a lot of other stuff to talk about as well, including some Georgia news here in the state and uh, the war on families that's coming. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia. I'd give you the number, but the call screener has now gone on a weekend vacation. <laughs> I was trying to get Chris Burns to call back in. I guess I'll have to do it with the afternoon show. Um, we Get him on to talk about the markets. You know, his, his basic message is don't panic. Uh, invest. Uh, invest for the long haul. If you are nearing retirement, you shouldn't be heavily in the stock market anyway. Uh, if you are heavily in the stock market towards retirement, uh, reach out to Dynamic Money. This hour is not sponsored by them uh, this week, uh, but man, they're great. And in, in all seriousness, uh, seriously, let, let me put in a plug for them one more time, just because I, I really do like Chris. Uh, he, he really is a, has got to be a great friend, and it's nice to have a friend who who relies on, or I can rely on for this stuff, because I'm, I'm not good with my Money and finance, and he's just got a, a genius mind when it comes to it. And his company, Dynamic Money, dynamicmoney.com, they will come to your business if your employees have 401ks or if you're an employee and you're concerned about your 401k, uh, they'll sit down and talk to you. They can do it by Skype so you don't have to drive up to Atlanta, wherever you are in the state. Uh, but he'll come to your business anywhere in the state of Georgia or beyond, frankly, if, if, if you're interested. Uh, he, they'll come to your company. You can have an all-hands-on-deck meeting with your employees, and they'll sit down and explain what they need to do. And, and they're not, they will, they'll come. And obviously I think some people will probably rely on them and, and move business to them. But uh, it's just, it, it's a, it's a value add for businesses to educate employees on the 401ks, particularly at a time like this, where it's not just that the stock market as of right now, let, let me, it is uh, 11.08 AM for those of you listening to me live on Friday, the 24th or 28th, rather, the Dow is down 924.95 points right now. The NASDAQ is down 225.88 points right now. It's not just that the stock market has wiped out all of this year's gains. As of this moment, uh, 11.08 AM on February 28th, 2020, the Dow Jones has now wiped out all of last year's gains as well. And so people are obviously concerned. And so if you want to help your employees think about this, seriously, go to dynamicmoney.com, uh, get the phone number, call Chris and his team and say, hey, can y'all come uh, just just sit down with my employees and explain uh, the way 401ks work and what they need to be thinking about on retirement and how they should should process stuff. 
they do that. It's not they don't just do finance. They do uh, financial education as well, and they're very very good at it. They've really helped my family personally uh, with with financial education. So all of that being said, um, don't panic invest for the long haul. Frankly, I, I so I have somebody, not Chris, uh, my buddy John Lindvig uh, handles my stocks. Uh, and Chris and Dynamic Money handle my 401k, but like for individual investing and stuff, my buddy John Lindvig, uh, who I've known for a very long time, who's just, I mean, the, the, the dude's brilliant. And so I send him money every month and I'm like, dude, we need to buy, 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 buy. Uh, I want to buy everything right now as everything collapses. It is a great time to get in the market as far as I'm concerned, but I'm not an expert and he is. Um, so all of that being said, don't panic. I want to actually get out of politics altogether. I'm going to weave this back into politics. Bear with me. Uh, I, I am a professional. I know I often, t- today, I don't sound like it. I need to be on a golf course drinking beer and hitting golf balls today. Uh, clear my head. Uh, there's a lot going on. But um, I, I got to get a golf membership. You know, there's this place in Macon near me called the Brickyard, and I keep thinking I need to go check them out. Uh, I've got several friends of mine who go out there. I just, I need to get on a driving range. I suck at golf, but sometimes there's nothing like hitting golf balls to clear your head. Um, so I want to I want to get out of politics and I want to get into something else and I'm going to weave it back if you'll bear with me. Uh, I want to talk about Bob Iger. Now, you probably are familiar with the name, even if you don't really know who Bob Iger was. Up until this week, Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney. This week, completely unexpected, completely unexpected. Uh, he handed the CEO role over immediately to Bob uh, Chapik, I believe his name is. Uh, Bob Chapik is the uh, head of, he's the chairman of Disney Parks. And he has been the successor, the designated successor for a while, but everyone thought it would come several years from now. Uh, But Iger, completely out of the blue and before the markets closed, announced he's done. Now, he's technically going to stay on as chairman to direct creative endeavors of the company, uh, and he'll do that through the end of 2021. But what has he done? Um... He launched Disney Plus. Disney Plus is fantastic. He bought Pixar. He bought Marvel. He bought Lucas Films. He bought 21st Century Fox, 20th Century Fox. He bought their IP. He expanded uh, the Disney parks. He built a Star Wars world. He built an Avatar world. Uh, he's Bob Iger has done just incredible things. He, they released in 2019 alone, seven of the top films were Disney films. The eighth Spider-Man far from home. Disney got a, a good chunk of because it collaborated with Sony on doing. It's a really big deal that they've done. It's a really big deal that Iger did this. It's it's a a really phenomenal uh, thing that Bob Iger did. And then he just up and announced before the markets even closed. Normally, when a CEO like Bob Iger at a, a Fortune 500 company like Disney decides to bail, they wait until the markets close and say, hey, I'm done. So that stocks have at least until the next day to figure out what's going on. No, they did a coordinated interview on CNBC, literally in matching outfits uh, at 2.30 in the afternoon with Bob Iger and and, and Shape coming on together and saying, yep, I'm done. 
I'm done. And do you know, as people are wont to do, particularly in Hollywood, the conspiracy theories went into overdrive. You know, Mulan is coming out. Uh, Mulan's going to be a live action movie. I'm wondering if people are actually going to go to theaters with coronavirus. Uh, there, there are a lot of people I wonder, are, are they going to go hang out in a theater with a couple hundred of their best friends uh, to see a movie at a time where this virus is spreading around the world? I'll probably go. I really want to see Mulan. Mulan is one of my favorite Disney animated movies, and now they're doing this one. Uh, I really want to go see it. And there are a lot of people thinking, man, this movie must be garbage if Iger's bailing now. Not true, actually. The advanced, the advanced screenings are impressive. Uh, Iger also announced there are more Star Wars movies coming now. Uh, they said they were going to cancel them, but nope, there are more Star Wars movies coming. But then the conspiracy theory is maybe he's been sexually harassing people. Maybe he's like a maybe he's like a Harvey Weinstein. Maybe he's maybe he's out the door because he's been doing stuff behind the scenes inappropriately with people in his office that he shouldn't. Or or maybe he's running for president. Maybe he's angling to be uh, Mike Bloomberg's running mate. Maybe there's bad news coming. Maybe maybe there's the the world is falling apart. Maybe maybe Iger has has done something, and we're gonna find out about it in the financials of the company, and and Disney's going under because of Iger, and he's bailing on it now before people find out. The conspiracy theorists have been blowing up the internet over why Bob Iger is gone. Bob Iger ousted a woman uh, who had been deeply involved in 21st Century Fox and then moved over to Disney and was helpful in a number of ways with Disney, and he pushed her out the door. And there are a lot of people saying, I bet she has dirt on Bob Iger, and he's getting out before she can spread the dirt on him. Conspiracy theorists, because if you're in a position like Bob Iger, let, let's just admit it. If you're in a position like Bob Iger, you don't give up power like that. You don't give up hundreds of millions of dollars leading a multi-billion dollar company. You don't walk away from it at the peak of power. Nobody does that. And yet Bob Iger did. There must be a reason why. It's much like when powerful politicians walk out the world, like um, like Sean Duffy, congressman from Wisconsin. He and Rachel Campos Duffy, uh, Sean Duffy had been on the real world. He was the lumberjack. He was the DA and he got elected and he, there must be a woman problem. He's leaving young, good looking congressman leaving. It must must be a woman problem or, or even with Paul Ryan when Paul Ryan left. No, sometimes it really is what they say. Sean and his wife. She's pregnant with their, I think, seventh or eighth child is going to have um, birth abnormalities and, and wanted to be a better dad and be more engaged in the raising of this child and couldn't be gone to Washington all the time. And with Iger, do you know what the reason is? Do you know why he's actually walking away? Because Iger's going out on top. And no one in Hollywood goes out on top. And for all of his flaws, Bob Iger is a fairly grounded person. And Bob Iger remembers um, Michael Eisner. If you'll recall, 
when I was a kid in the in the late eighties and early nineties, you had the Disney TV show, and much like Walt Disney used to do before the Disney show, Michael Eisner decided he was going to be Walt Disney, and he would sit down and he would he would do the chat to the film before the Disney show started. And Eisner got very full of himself. And Iger was number two. Iger was going to take over. And Eisner decided he didn't want to leave when he was supposed to leave and began to scuttle and undermine all the work that Bob Iger was doing. And it was Walt Disney's nephew who had to lead a coup to oust Michael Eisner and put Bob Iger in charge. And Bob Iger had to spend a couple of years cleaning up the mess left behind by Michael Eisner. And Iger is very mindful of what it was like when Eisner, sensing his time was near, held on to power even more and nearly cost the company, was driving Disney into the ground. And Iger has built Disney into the pinnacle of success and wants to go out on top, doesn't want to have the succession fights, and decided, you know what? Now's the time. I wanted to launch Disney Plus, and that's what he said. I mean, those were his own words last year. He did not want to do anything until Disney Plus was launched, and when it was launched, he would see. And it was launched, and it was an overwhelming success. Disney Plus signed up more people in one day than Netflix has ever signed up in a quarter. And now he's gone. And he's going to hang around for a year. There can't be a scandal. There can't be a sex scandal. There, there can't be a financial scandal. If Disney is going to allow Bob Eisner to, to be in charge of all creative content and direction of Disney for another year and be the executive chairman and still essentially have his hand in the cookie jar managing things behind the scenes, that wouldn't happen if there was a scandal. But people are so unaccustomed to seeing powerful people say, you know what, I'm done, that there's always a conspiracy theory. Diocletian was the most powerful man on planet Earth. Diocletian was the emperor who brought to an end uh, the, the crisis of the third century in the Roman Empire. Diocletian is the man who invented modern monarchy. Prior to Diocletian, the Roman emperors were considered first citizens. They would sit in the Senate, they would go to Rome, they would engage in debate, and they would run the military. Diocletian decided, nope, they're coming to me, I'm not going to them. Diocletian made a point of never going to Rome. He adopted purple, because purple was the most expensive fabric, the most expensive one to make. Diocletian, in, 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 uh, he decided to adopt the purple robes. Diocletian decided to build throne rooms and you would walk into throne rooms heavy on incense and candle lighting as if you were going before the presence of a god. Diocletian came up with all of that that did not exist before Diocletian. And he gave it all up. It led to the rise of Constantine. Diocletian gave it all up, gave up power. In fact, Diocletian's wife uh, was arrested and there was a fight. He had four uh, four emperors. He divided up the Roman Empire, a tetrarchy, and he had he was the senior Augustus. And then there were four underneath him and they divided up the Roman Empire to manage it. They all got along, except they didn't. And when Diocletian left, he was the glue that bound them all together. They all wound up fighting. And ultimately, Constantine gave up on the tetrarchy. He he became the the senior power, senior Augustus, and, and he let his kids run with him in the Western and the Eastern Roman empires. That's when it began to divide. Uh, and and uh, Diocletian's wife got wrapped up in this and she was in the court of, of one of the emperors and she got arrested. And Diocletian, now a farmer on the coast of, of Macedonia, what became Yugoslavia, couldn't get her free, gave up all power. And there were all sorts of conspiracy theories. 
And what's impressive is how people gravitate so quickly to conspiracy theories because they see something that they're not used to seeing. Therefore, it must be a conspiracy theory. And sometimes it is. Like the spread of this virus from Wuhan, we still don't know where it came from. And many of the people weeks ago who were savaging uh, Tom Cotton for suggesting maybe it was an accidental release from the bioweapons laboratory there, uh, they're now th- oh, they're suddenly silent. They're thinking, you know, there's actually an increasing possibility this was the case. It wasn't intentional and it wasn't malicious. It was just an accident. Maybe that was the case. But more often than not, it's never the conspiracy theory. It's the easy explanation, the Occam's razor, if you will. And I I bring this up with Bob Iger because I see all the conspiracy theories about his departure, and it's common everywhere these days. It is so common because you have people on the internet who believe that they have the Gnostic knowledge. It is Gnosticism. There's a secret knowledge, and you want to go in search of the secret knowledge. Surely this could not be. Surely no man would give up power. There must be a hidden reason. And so you go down the rabbit holes of the internet to try to find it. And it's not just happening in things like this in business. It's happening in politics as well. People want to complicate things because the easy explanation, which is most often true, The easy explanation is the one that people can't believe anymore because the world's become become so complicated, they've got to believe that the explanations for things that happen in the world must also be complicated. You know, one stock that is skyrocketing today, the the Dow continues to just crater. Uh, Well, it rebounded a little bit. It was down 950 points earlier. It's now only down 733, but still uh, erasing last year's gains in addition to this year's gains. You know, one stock that's skyrocketing? Clorox. That's right. Clorox up 5%. Also, Zoom. Uh, If you don't know Zoom, Zoom is a uh, video conferencing service, and it is going up today as more and more employers are contemplating leaving, letting their employees work from home. Not a not a not a bad thing. Um, Okay, okay, okay. I want to go back to the conspiracy theory thing for just a minute longer, and, and then we'll get into other stuff. I'm just fascinated by it. This has gotten me in trouble before. When I filled in for Rush, I brought this up one time, and I'm going to say it again. There are people, and I mean this lovingly, I really do, but there are people who fail at life. Given every opportunity, they squander the opportunity, and they fail. They fall flat on their face, and they cannot imagine that they've screwed up. It's never their fault. It's always someone else's fault. You know the people I'm talking about. And, and you can be outraged at me for saying it, but you know darn well the people I'm talking about. They can't blame themselves. It's always someone else. Do you, you know I had a, I had a client. Um, when I was a lawyer, it was actually my first indigent client and he was on drugs and he was pulled over for erratic driving. He was high as a kite and he had crack under his driver's seat. He had thrown it under his driver's seat and they found it. And he told me the man had put it there. Well, I, I didn't know who the man was. Uh, and so I, I, Call, I, I went up to the judge and I said, I think he needs a psychological evaluation. He keeps saying that the man put crack under his driver's seat. And when I asked him who this man looked like, he says that he looked like me. Dude sounded nuts to me. 
And the, the judge makes the man stand up and she looks at him and she says, sir, do you mean a man or do you mean the man? And he says, yeah, the man, the man did it. And, and the judge looks at me and she says, Mr. Erickson, your client's not, not crazy. Your client's racist. He thinks the white man planted the drugs on him. I'm serious. True story. Absolutely true story. My very first indigent client uh, in Bibb County Court with Judge Christensen, a wonderful, wonderful human being, uh, tough as nails judge and an excellent, wonderful human being. And uh, just, I, man, I loved her as a judge. She was it just uh, amazingly fair and tough. Uh, but yeah, that guy would convince, convince himself of conspiracy theory. It wasn't his fault the crack was there. The man had put it under. And people do this. They want to convince themselves of every sort of conspiracy theory on the planet instead of taking responsibility. And then they see others do stuff that they would never do, and they must be convinced, oh, there's a conspiracy theory there as well. No, sometimes people just operate differently from you. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm looking at at these. I'm just, my mind is being blown by some of these people and conversations. Um, I, I can't give you the phone number because uh, I'm I'm a good guy and and told my producer he and his wife can can get on off for the weekend. Uh, I want to play this audio from Donald Trump Jr. in an interview with Fox News uh, from Fox and Friends this morning, uh, making Democrats very mad, but there, there's, there's a point to it. We've seen this play out for four years. Anything that they can use to try to hurt Trump, they will. Anything he does in a positive sense, like you heard from the reporter that was just suspended from ABC, they will not give him credit for. The playbook is old at this point, but for them to try to take a pandemic and see seemingly hope that it comes here and kills millions of people so that they could end Donald Trump's streak of winning is a new level of sickness. You know, I don't know if this is coronavirus or Trump derangement syndrome, but these people are infected badly. To run that in the New York Times, this isn't Vox. This isn't one of these, you know, crazy left-wing journalists. This is the New York Times writing this with seriousness. It's truly sick. Now, those same Democrats last week when my father shut down travel to and from China were saying, it's an overreaction. It's a disaster. You're... He's right. He, he, and they did do that. And now here comes uh, Joe Biden on this. Uh, and it's it's he's claiming, claiming that the president is silencing experts on the coronavirus. This morning, Dow futures down about 100 points. This follows yesterday, which was the single biggest point drop ever on the Dow, 1,200 points. And this has been the worst week for the stock market since the financial crisis in 2007-2008. We've heard from the World Health Organization this now all has pandemic potential. Obviously, this all happening at a very important time politically in the United States. The South Carolina primary is tomorrow. And joining me now is Democratic candidate, former Vice President Joe Biden. Mr. Vice President, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Good morning to you. Thank you, John, for having me. So we see the stock market falling. The worst week since the financial crisis, which I know you lived through as a senator and then vice president. How serious do you think the economic impact will be from the coronavirus? 
Well, I'm less concerned about the media economic impact than I am about whether or not we gain control of this. The idea that the experts are not allowed to speak, the president has silenced them. Dr. Fauci, who was in three administrations, worked in our administrations, we took care of Ebola. The idea that the whistleblower came out today saying that the people we sent to uh, the air base to, uh, to receive incoming folks uh, did, were not trained, they didn't have the right suits on. Uh, the, you know, I mean, this is... This is time. Let the experts take this over. And, you know, that's what the vice president is doing. And and that's why the vice president asked the experts to stop going on TV. He wanted to be able to coordinate. Uh, Debbie Burks has been named Ambassador Debbie Burks. She's been named as the response coordinator. She's a renowned global health official. She's a physician. Uh, Even the Obama people who yesterday were attacking the president for silencing the experts and putting this in the hands of the vice president are now saying, you know what? Turns out this is a good thing. Uh, Good for the president doing this. And yet a lot of the Democrats are still out there attacking the president. You've got Joe Biden out there making this. And again, this is conspiracy theory stuff here. Yes, Anthony Fauci had been all over TV scaring people. And the vice president's office reached out and said, hey, we've got a coordinator now. We've got a single point person now. Everybody go through uh, Debbie Burks and get her to sign off on you going on TV and, and coordinate what your message is so the CDC's not saying one thing, the National Institute of Health isn't saying another thing. And by the way, the, we do have a whistle. Isn't it funny? We have another partisan whistleblower coming out and saying we were completely unprepared and it's all the president's fault. No, 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 no. The president is not in charge of day-to-day operations of the Centers for Disease Control. If the Centers for Disease Control sent people uh, who were not prepared to handle the people on the airplane, that's not the president's fault. I'm sorry. You wouldn't blame Barack Obama, so you can't blame Donald Trump for that, and yet they're trying. Here's Pete Buttigieg. I mean, simple example from the headlines right now, right? When, when you have an issue like a, a virus that's, that's threatening lives and spreading around the world. Don't you want people around the president who will tell the president if things aren't going quite right and suggest an adjustment, right? And I promise you, as president, I will never want to be the smartest person in the room. I'll always want to have people around me who can tell me what's going on. (laughs) Do you believe Pete Buttigieg? Seriously, Mr. I speak Norwegian because I wanted to learn a book. For Pete Buttigieg to say he never wants to be the smartest guy in the room, I'm surprised lightning didn't strike. Good gracious. They are turning this into, they're trying to turn this into a political issue against the president of the United States. They are trying to scare people. They are trying to, to make it sound as bad as possible. They are trying to fearmonger and cause people to lose sleep at night. They're frankly uh, weaponizing uh, the coronavirus politically against the president of the United States. And I don't know that it's going to work. By the way, the vice president's been at CPAC and he's been uh, lobbing some punches in in the other direction. Well, and there was criticism last month. But when we first received word of the outbreak of the coronavirus shortly after the first of the year. Um, the, the health team came in, I was there in the Oval Office, and they said to the president, look, let's, what we ought to do is we ought to end air travel, we ought to close our border, uh, and we ought to establish a quarantining process for any American citizens that we allow back in. Uh, and they said, 
no president has ever done this before, but we're recommending out of an abundance of caution that you do it. And President Trump didn't hesitate for one second. He said, do it. Uh, and it was criticized by some at the time. But as I said, our health experts told me again yesterday when we huddled right after that press briefing for the first time, they said we would be in a very different place today if President Trump hadn't taken the decisive action that we had. And, and today, you know, we haven't had a new case for the last two weeks until the word that reached the public in the last 24 hours. We've had 15 cases in this country. And people are being treated and, and doing well. One is still in the hospital. But the other 45 cases are all American citizens that we brought back home, went through a quarantining process. We're monitoring them. So I, I, I take my hat off. Uh, to the president's leadership, uh, as well as to Secretary Azar, the team at, uh, at CDC, Homeland Security. This has been a whole-of-government approach, but when the president tapped me to lead the White House effort on this, I think it just demonstrated again to the public the seriousness that the president's placed on this. He's telling us to lean into this effort out of an abundance of caution because he has no higher priority than the health and safety of the American people. That was an interview at CPAC with Sean Hannity. A little more of this from the vice president. Well, look, the president made it clear yesterday. Uh, we're all in this together. This is not the time for politics. And uh, after the president asked me to lead the effort uh, on the corona response from the White House, working with the task force that he established now a month and a half ago, working with state government officials and local and health officials. Um, the, the president also directed me to reach out. I spoke to Speaker Pelosi. I spoke to Senator Schumer, as how, well as the Republican. How did those conversations leadership. go? They were good conversations. Uh, they I were because that. they were politicizing it almost instantaneously. Yeah, I, I know. But look, I, uh, you know, the president said to me, look, I want you to reach out to the Republican and Democrat leadership because we, we want to we push politics aside we want to make sure we get the resources that we need uh, to respond to this, to make sure the CDC, all of our agencies have the support that they need, that states have the support should this, uh, uh, should this matter uh, become more serious. But you know, the president's message is very clear. We're ready. Uh, we're ready for anything. We continue to prepare for whatever may come. But the reality is that because of the actions that President Trump took last month, uh, literally, you know, ending travel, closing our borders, people coming in from China, establishing a quarantine process, setting up a task force. I mean, if the president hadn't taken those unprecedented steps, it didn't seem to like it. Then. We'd be in a very different place today, Sean. You know, I'm. I, I go back to February second. The Washington Post ran a story of Democrats around the country blasting President Trump for suspending air travel from China. They actually attacked him on February 2nd, 2020, for ordering airlines to stop air travel with China and ordering the CDC to begin monitoring at airports of people coming into the country from foreign travels uh, using uh, laser uh, thermometers to check people for fever. They, they said it was an overreaction and it was going to spark panic. I'm not making that up. I read the story on this program. And now the Democrats are blowing up the president, saying he's not doing enough. 
now they're they're blowing up the. I played the soundbite earlier, but but uh, I played the soundbite in the first hour. In the last two hours, uh, the vice president is being attacked for this. Listen to this statement: The risk of the spread of the coronavirus in the United States of America remains low. That's according to all of our experts, and it's a direct result of the unprecedented action that President Trump took last month when he closed our border uh, to Chinese individuals coming into the country and also established a quarantining effort. Our White House Coronavirus Task Force has literally been meeting every day for the last six weeks. And the American people can be confident that we're going to bring at the president's direction the full resources of the federal government to bear to protect the people of this country. That being said, during this time of year, it's always a good idea to engage in best practices. And people can go to cdc.gov to get the latest information on on not only this virus, but how they can best see to the health of their family and their community. He's being attacked for telling people we're still at a relatively low risk for a mass spread of the coronavirus in the United States. He's actually telling the truth. As he said, he's quoting the experts. As he said, uh, he is he's taking advice from the experts. As he said, uh, he's allowing the experts to take the lead in determining what to do. The vice president's job here is to put all of the, the people who can make decisions around the table and get them to make a decision. The vice president's job is to coordinate government agencies. The vice president is an elected person who can be held accountable by the voters if he screws this up. Hell, he can be held accountable by the president. He, he can suddenly not be the president's running mate if, if, if this thing collapses. You want the vice president to be the guy. You, you know, there's a, there's a great line, and it's from Barack Obama. The problem with being president is that when a deci- when a decision arrives at your desk to be made the reason it arrives at your desk to be made is because no one else on the way up to your desk could make it the president doesn't need to be making the decisions unless they're the big decisions no one else can make giving this to the vice president was a smart thing to do uh, everyone knows the vice president has the president's ear Everyone knows the vice president is the number two person in the executive branch. Everyone knows the vice president is competent, except for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who who thinks he's going to get people killed. She's actually on social media today saying that this is a dangerous decision to allow the vice president to be in charge because the vice president's going to get people killed because he literally, her words, literally doesn't believe science. Please learn how to use the word literally. And also, he does believe science. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez believes boys can decide to become girls. Absolutely silly. Um, this, this is nuts. And the outrage is crazy. And the president is right. And the vice president is right. And Donald Trump Jr. is absolutely right. I really do believe, and let me let me look at the camera and say this in case Media Matters or someone else wants this. Let me get in position here as I live stream this. Yes, there are Democrats in the United States of America right now, including a bunch of radical environmentalists who see the spread of the coronavirus as a good thing. They see a recessionary event caused by the coronavirus as a good thing because they think it will lower emissions. It will kill off people who are destroying the planet that they believe is going to come to an end within a decade. And yes, 
There are Democratic politicians who really do believe they could capitalize on the spread of the coronavirus to get the Democrats elected. You're damn right there are Democrats out there right now who believe at a partisan level that the spread of the coronavirus will be a good thing for them politically, and that's sad. They are rooting against this country. It's unfortunate. And it's the reality we live in, where even members of the press will weaponize politically the coronavirus to spread fear and try to wreak havoc on the economy because they really believe the economy is the only thing keeping the president in power right now. And if the economy goes down, he goes down. And they are perfectly happy to try to talk it down and try to scare people about the coronavirus. And maybe, just maybe, something will be screwed up. Maybe, just maybe, it'll spread. And then maybe, just maybe, if it gets out of hand, the people will blame Donald Trump and throw him out of office. And it is sad we've gotten to this point where everything has to be hyper-partisan and hyper-politicized. But there are Democrats out there right now who are hoping for it. And that's sad. Some of them are willing to admit it. Some of them are wrong. I I kid you not, there are environmentalists out there today who think this is a good thing, that it's going to help heal the planet. It's Mother Earth responding to polluting people. It, It really is sad that a group of people, they've abandoned God for nature, and they've now embraced this virus as some sort of solution to what ails them politically or environmentally because they're so desperate for power and they can't even think maybe, you know, just maybe we should be rooting for the president right now instead of trying to scare everyone and hoping he fails. But they're too polluted by the coveting of power to do that. Oh, the rookery is calling me, man. Mm. If you know, you know. Um, it is 55 after the hour, and I, I want to do a little bit of a reset for you, if I can, away from the coronavirus. That that we'll, we'll keep an eye on it for you. Remember, again, if you haven't seen the, the dashboard, the visual dashboard from Johns Hopkins uh, that has been chronicling uh, the progression of the coronavirus around the world, it's got a great heat map, among other things, that... Um, can um i'm pulling it up right now for you to give you the latest update here uh, at 11:55 a.m on february 28th we now have uh 83,860 it's jumped uh, 83,867 confirmed cases it was 83,820 when we started the show uh, no change in the u.s 60 in the u.s um but uh, we've got uh, globally now, um, let's see, zero deaths in the U.S. We've got six recovered in the United States. That's fantastic news. Uh, and um, we've got, let's see, trying to, to reboot here. Most of them continuing to be in China. Uh, 2,867 deaths, uh, 36,686 recovered people. Uh, the worst of it is in China, followed by South Korea, 2,337 uh, Italy at 655, uh, Iran 388, Japan 228. Uh, again, the United States at 60, most of them repatriated. We now have that one case that looks like the person came into contact with people who were in quarantine uh, and then went to the hospital. Uh, the governor of California says there are over 8,000 people uh, who are suspected uh, could be infected. Don't let that freak you out. Those are basically all the people who potentially, not all the people who came into contact with that one guy, but all the people who potentially came into contact with what that one guy. Uh, part of this is I suspect they're trying to scare everybody on this. Uh, 
the real story, though, to pay attention to is going to be South Carolina tomorrow. Uh, you will see news coverage tomorrow night while you're while you're out and about. You'll be getting push alerts if you subscribe to news outlets or some such. I need to develop an app where I can send you people push alerts so you just get your news from me and I can tell you what's worth worrying about because some of these people, I get these push alerts. I'll be in church on Sunday and get a push alert and I'll think, oh, there's breaking news and I'll glance at my watch in the middle of the sermon and it'll be the New York Times with some stupid story they want me to, to look at. Drag Queen Story Hour continues to spread around the nation. Learn what's behind it. Seriously, good Lord, people, it's embarrassing. Uh, some of the push alerts from the New York Times and it makes me mad. Uh, now, nonetheless, I digress. Pay attention to South Carolina. The thing you don't want to pay attention to, so when you get into church on Sunday and your friends are talking politics because football season's over and baseball season's barely begun, and so you're talking politics because that's the sporting event we're in right now, you're going to be the most informed person because you're going to say, what? You're going to say, oh, Joe Biden won by X. If it's double digits, he probably springs into Super Tuesday, rebounds in Texas, and has a good Super Tuesday. It'll be two days later after church. It's on Tuesday, Super Tuesday. If Joe Biden's only in single digits, then you'll say, oh, Joe Biden won, but it was way closer than all the polls suggested. This still leaves Bernie Sanders as, as the front runner right now, and the vice president's going to have to rebound in Texas, but Bloomberg is holding him down in the polls, and you'll be the smartest person in church on Sunday. By the way, go to church on Sunday. It's good for your soul.